Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Father, you are here, and we are here. May we be here together, and may we be conscious of your presence with us now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, St. Michael's. So what is your life pointing at? What person, place, or thing is your life highlighting? If your life were a street sign, where would it direct people to go? If you dissected your life, looked at it objectively, your words, your thoughts, your actions, your decisions, the way you spend your time, the way you think and treat and interact with other people, the way you treat and interact with yourself, and you drew an arrow to represent it all, where would it be pointing? Would it be pointing at you? Or would it be pointing at something else? This Sunday morning on Advent 3, a prominent and important figure in the story of God is being highlighted for us. Our attention is being directed toward him, and that is the figure of John. Now, most of you probably already know this, so if I'm insulting your intelligence, I apologize. But in all of the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John is referred to as what? The Baptist. We call him John the Baptist. He was the one who came to proclaim the coming of the Messiah, the long-awaited king of Israel, the chosen one, the anointed one. He's the one who called God's people to repent, to change the direction of their lives and turn back to God. He's the one who came to baptize in the River Jordan as a sign and symbol of this life change. And all this he did to prepare the hearts of God's people to receive the one coming after him, the one more powerful than he, the long-awaited king. But in John's gospel, although John does the same thing, he isn't referred to as the Baptist. That's not his title. He's referred to as the witness. we got a lot of lawyers here at St. Michael's. I know a bunch of them. Witnesses have what? They have a testimony. They have an account of what they experienced, what they heard with their ears, what they saw with their eyes, what they touched with their hands, what they smelled with their nose, what they felt in their heart. They have a testimony, an account of something that happened, something that they saw, something that happened to them. And John the witness, well, guess what? He has a testimony. But what did he witness to? What did he see? What did John experience? What does he know that others don't know? What was his testimony all about? Well, according to John himself, he believed that God sent him to perform a very special task, and that was to baptize God's people in water. And in the process of baptizing people with water, something would be revealed to John. God would show him something, someone to be more specific. You see, God had told John 
The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And when John heard that, he knew what that meant. He knew that that man would be the chosen one. The straps of whose sandals he would be unworthy to untie. The one that was before him, God's only son, the king. And so John waited for this moment. And it happened just as God said. He saw it with his very eyes in the river Jordan. The spirit splitting the sky, coming down upon the man. And he knew it's him. He's here. He's arrived. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's finally come. And John now knows who that person is. And so his mission was then to testify that this is God's son. This is the one we've all been waiting for. You see, John's ministry and vocation, they're all summed up in the opening verses of our gospel reading. He was sent by God to be a witness and testify to the light so that all might believe through him. You see, John didn't come to make a name for himself. He didn't come to make a dent in the world. He didn't come to be praised or to be popular or to be significant, to get his name in the paper or his face on the cover of a magazine. He came to do one thing, one thing, one thing only, point to Jesus. That's it. To be a witness and testify to the light so that all might believe through him. And belief in John's gospel is not a dogmatic confession. It's not mentally subscribing to a series of theological statements regarding Jesus. That we can say, oh yeah, sure, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. That's cool, I'm cool with that. And it have absolutely no bearing on our life. No belief in John's gospel is all about relationship. They're synonymous. It's all about knowing God intimately and continually allowing him to deepen and grow that intimacy by his love. It's actually entering into the same relationship that Jesus has with the Father. It's about being raptured up into the love that always existed between the Father and the Son. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world by removing anything and everything that has separated us from God so that we can be in that relationship. He made that happen. And John the witness was sent to point to people living in darkness to the light of the world so that they might come into a saving relationship with Jesus. That was his whole purpose. That's how he understood himself. So what is your life pointing to? What's your testimony? What's, what's the story of your life? Who does it point to? Does it point to Jesus? Or does it point to you? Does your life testify to Jesus or yourself? Is Jesus the main character? of your life story, or is it you? I'm not only asking you this question. This question is for me. And I ask this because John, the gospel writer's presentation of John the witness, 
invites us to see ourselves in him. He's not presented as a one-time figure who did this really cool thing 2,000 years ago that no one else can ever do. John the witness is a prototype of discipleship. In John's gospel, he's the first disciple. It starts with John, the person who said, he must increase, I must decrease. For John the witness, Jesus was first, he was second. But here's the problem. You're probably not going to believe this, but that's okay. You and I, as human beings, are all predisposed to think about ourselves first. Well, newsflash. <laughs> you and I are prone to bend the knee to the kingdom of self before the kingdom of God. That's not my diagnosis of the human condition. That's scripture's diagnosis of the human condition. It's all about me. It's all about me attaining happiness, me attaining fulfillment, me alleviating discomfort and pain, me preserving myself, ensuring that everything works out to my liking, to my opinion, my agenda, and I will manipulate everyone and everything so that I'm not too inconvenienced, so that I can maintain some sense of control over the direction of my life. Now this can look obviously narcissistic, but not always. It can disguise itself as being nice and helping other people and being overly agreeable and pleasing them. But in all reality, I'm just craving acceptance because I think that if I feel liked, everything will be satisfied within me. But it looks nicer than narcissism, so it's no big deal. Most of us wouldn't want to admit this, either because it's too humiliating or we are completely unaware of our actual motives, but the arrow is pointing where? Us. If you don't believe me, here's a litmus test. When you look at a group photo and you're in it, who's the first person you look at? <laughs> yeah. There might be one or two of you who's like, I look at everybody else. Well, guess what? You, you are enlightened. You have arrived. But the rest of us human beings down here are evaluating ourselves first. Ooh, I look good. Oh, I look bad. I look thin. I look fat. I look old. I look young. I'm photogenic. I'm not photogenic. Please don't take a picture of me. Why am I blinking? Now, I don't say this to cause us to feel guilty or shame or so that we feel disgusted with ourselves and say, oh, we're so horrible. No. I'm saying it for us to actually acknowledge something and accept the reality. If I don't accept reality, I can't live in reality. And I can't move forward. And the reality is a life lived pointing to me will ultimately lead to despair and disappointment. It will not fulfill us because we weren't created for that life. Maybe your life used to point to Jesus, you would say. And maybe things just happened, you know, to kind of cause you to distrust God. Things didn't work out as you planned or as you prayed for, as you wanted. And so now you feel like you need to take control back. And now you've taken center stage. Or maybe your life has always pointed at you. 
And maybe it's because you believe some false narrative of who Jesus is, that God is some angry, distant, cold, old man on the moon who hates you and is just waiting for you to mess up so he can crush you. Or maybe you're just indifferent. You just don't even care. You don't ever see your need for God. You don't see your need for Jesus. You're just fine without him. Or maybe you believe that Jesus has, wants nothing to do with you. Why would he want anything to do with you? If he really knew who you were, he wouldn't want to be near you. Regardless of the reason, John the witness seems to have a suggestion for you and I. A, a, at least a, a jumping off point. Something that starts a remedy. And he only tells us to do one thing. You believe that, John the witness, this crazy guy eating bugs? One thing. What does he tell us to do? He says, behold him. That's it. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the one who's removed the chasm between you and God. Behold him. Stop looking at him out of your peripheral vision. Stop looking at him out of the corner of your eye. Repent and turn toward him. Look into his eyes face to face. Draw near to him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience him. Encounter him. Listen to the woman at the well who said, come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. John the witness is saying, turn your gaze off yourself for a moment and look at the face of Jesus. Because it's there where you're going to discover who you actually really are because you're looking at the one who created you. And when you look into his eyes, all you see is love and compassion and patience and understanding and grace and mercy and freedom and faithfulness. That's what you see. That's what John saw. And it set him free. We were created for him to be an eternal love relationship with him. And John is saying, come to him. Come to know him as you've always been known. Come and see and allow his love to change you and grip your heart and transform you. Then you'll have a testimony. Because you'll have someone to testify to. Because you know him, not about him. Then you'll have a story to tell. Then your life will point to Jesus and others actually might believe through you because they know you're different. You're not like other people. There's something about you. There's a warmth about you. There's a glow about you. You don't even have to say anything. They can feel it. Then you're a witness. Man, I need this. This is for me. You know, it was on the, on, the, on the cover of my book, My Face. Jesus is maybe in the back. Maybe he wrote one of those nice things about my book. Maybe he wrote the forward. But John is saying, Greg, man, you got to get your, your, your face off the cover, man. You got to put Jesus on that. I end with this. This is a... I don't have a, I don't know a lot about a lot of hymns. I didn't grow up with hymns. I like two hymns. <laughs> this is one of the hymns I like. You know it. It's written by Helen H. Uh, Lemel, 1922. And these words come right out of the Gospel of John. It's awesome. She says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? 
No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. You know this one. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Who knows this song? Sing it with me. Look full at his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.